Guys, I'm glad to be here with you all. I'm stoked that I get to share God's word with you. Um, it's been a long time since we've had Wednesday nights, so I'm glad I get to share in front of the whole body again. Um, I'm seeing some people from the youth ministry. I see you guys a lot, but now there's a lot of you, which is really cool. So I'm glad to be here with you guys. Last week, Skylar did an amazing job opening the series, which was great. Um, yeah, he talked about the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. And in it, he kind of showed us that although that phrase sounds nice, and people probably have good intentions when they say it, um, the phrase is actually unbiblical. Um, God help, actually helps those who humble themselves is really what it's about. God helps those who humble themselves, and they go to him and they ask for help because they realize their need. And so the phrase that I'm going to be covering today, it's probably behind me already, um, is somewhat similar to that. It's God won't give you more than you can handle. How many of you guys have heard that phrase before? Cool. Most of you. Okay, great. I'm excited to jump into this with you. First, I'm actually going to pray again because I need the Lord to fill me with his Holy Spirit. Um, and spoiler alert, God has given me more than I can handle, and I want him to be here with me <laughs> to, to give the word. So <laughs> let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you've brought me here um, to teach your word. I know that's nothing to do with me. Um, God, I am such, you know who I am. God, you know that I'm a sinful man, but in your grace and your mercy, you've given me the ability to preach your word. And so, God, I just thank you that you use the small and the humble. Um, and God, I pray that no pride would be allowed to grow in my heart and I would just humble myself before you. And God, I realize, God, that I am just as wicked as every other person. And the only reason I'm here is because you are gracious and merciful. So, God, I just, once again, I admit my need to you that, God, I cannot do this. Um, so I just pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit now and that you would fill all of us with the Holy Spirit, that as we're here, that, God, you would speak through us, that we would be able to understand your word. We're so lost without you. So, God, fill us all, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm glad most of you have heard this phrase before, so I'm not having to, like, explain it, but I've definitely heard this before really popular catchphrase to say because it sounds really nice and it also sounds biblical. It's kind of a go-to phrase when your brother or sister in Christ is struggling with something. And the idea behind it is pretty simple. It's basically like no matter what circumstances we face, right, whether that's trouble in our marriages or in our jobs or with our health or our kids or whatever it would be, that everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right because God won't give you more than you can handle and so you'll be okay. But is it true? is really what I want to dive into today. Is that statement really true? I think there's some truth in this statement to start out. I do think there is. Because God is, in fact, sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over everything, including what he allows in our lives, the circumstances he allows. And so nothing can happen to us without God's consent. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's what's true. But does, the question then is not, is God in control? Because of course he is. The question is, does he really limit our circumstances to what we can handle? Is that what's true? I want to preface this by saying, like Skylar said last week about his phrase, if you've ever said this before or you say it now, I'm not trying to attack you when I dive into this. I'm not trying to say like, you, like that this is not good. I'm trying to show that this is not biblically true, but I'm not trying to attack you for saying this because I think there's really good intentions behind why we say it. The reason being that the reason we say it is because we're trying to encourage someone who's hurting and we're trying to remind them to trust in Jesus. That's the intention behind it. But despite the good intentions it has, I would argue that it actually carries some unhealthy thinking in it. And I kind of want to unpack that with you. Actually, I don't kind of want to. I really want to. That's why I'm here. So first, I want to discuss, like, where does this even come from? 
I was shocked last week when Skylar's like, so open your Bibles to Aesop's fables, and I was not expecting that, but that's where it was last week. Um, So actually, unlike last week, this phrase actually has its root in the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Um, and specifically, we're going to be looking at verse 13, but you guys can turn there because it'll kind of give us more of a context of where this is at. So while you're turning there, I'm just going to read the verse that it's kind of cited that this is from, because I think we're misreading this verse when we say that God won't give you more than you can handle. So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. So, This passage or this verse is saying that when temptation comes into your life, that God won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able. And that sounds really similar to God won't give you more than you can handle. But before we jump to that conclusion, there's a couple things I want to point out. First, context is very important. So where is Paul getting, what is Paul talking about here in second, sorry, not second, in first Corinthians. But starting in chapter 10, verse 1, Paul is reminding the Corinthian church about the behavior of the Israelites as they left Egypt. They saw miracle after miracle from God. And they saw him provide for them, but it says that God was not pleased with most of them, is what Paul says. And it's like, why is that? It's because they craved evil things. So they worshiped idols, they engaged in sexual immorality, they put God to the test. And then in verse 11, Paul says these things happened to them as an example for us. And then Paul says in verse 12, therefore, Let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. The idea is this. It's like, hey, man, like, be careful. Like, if you think that you're totally safe, you're like, I'm all good. I'm a strong Christian. I grew up in the church. Like, I'm totally fine. I don't need to be worried about sin. Like, think again, because we're all people, and we all are prone to these things. And it's then that Paul quotes verse 13. And so this verse is actually a comfort to believers. It's saying this, like, hey, even though temptation to sin comes to us all, Like, you're not alone in this. Like, you're not alone in that struggle. We all go through temptations, and none of the temptations that you struggle with are unique to you. Like, God's in control of your circumstances, and he's not going to let you be tempted beyond what is possible to bear, and God's always going to provide a way of escape. But, like, in context, Paul is not just talking, he's not talking about all struggle in general. So the reason I brought you here is because he's not talking about all struggle. He's talking about specifically temptation to sin. Because there's a difference between our general temptation to sin and just the general struggles of life. Because temptation to sin is hard to bear. It's a hard thing to deal with. But they're not the only issues we deal with. Because there's financial worries. There's stressful seasons in your marriage. um, There's relational tensions. There's sickness. There's death. All those things. And some of those things are out of our control. And so they're not like the same thing. And so Paul is not addressing those struggles here. He's talking about temptation to sin. And that sounds like, why split hairs about this? Why is this even important? Because I don't think this is just a technicality, because I think it's worth discussing, because I think in here, there's hidden in this phrase a really simple lie that I think Satan would want to use this for. And the simple lie is this. I am strong enough to handle my life. That's the lie. It's like, I think if we, this phrase kind of has this idea, like, since God won't give me more than I can handle, and I'll be okay, he's only going to give me what my strength can do. If I just soldier on, and I just try really hard, I'm going to make it, and I'm going to be okay. Um, But guys, here's the deal. 
and I say this as someone who struggles with this, self-reliance is not only discouraged in the Bible, it's actually straight-up sinful, and it's wrong. The Bible would tell you that self-reliance, relying on yourself, pride, it's sinful. In Proverbs, it says this, Proverbs 16.5, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. That's serious. Assuredly, he will not go unpunished. God, he hates our self-reliance because he's designed us for what? For relationship with him. That's what we're designed to be. We're designed to be relying on him like we rely on our father. That's what we're designed to be. And so God hates our self-reliance and he, the Bible makes it very clear. Jesus was really clear. John 15, 5, that apart from him, we can do what? Nothing, right? Like what is nothing? That's nothing. There's not even a little bit of good we can do. And even within the context of temptation here, we're still not strong enough to handle that. Because Paul's not saying, when he's talking about what you are able, he's not talking about what you are able on your own. Because the rest of the Bible will tell you that that's ridiculous. What he's talking about is what you are able with the help of the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. So I think the biblical principle is this. If we were to correct this saying, it's this. God does give you more than you can handle. He does. But the question is, why does he do that? I think it's because of two things. I think it's one, so that we can be stripped of our self-reliance, so that can be removed from us, and two, so that God would get the glory in our life. I think those are the two reasons. And I have two examples I want to take you guys to, one in the New Testament and one in the Old. First, we're going to start with the New Testament with a guy that you've never heard of. His name is the Apostle Paul. So, uh, Paul was a dedicated believer um, obviously, uh, he was on fire for the Lord. He dedicated every bit of his time to the Lord. Um, even before he came to know Jesus, he was dedicated to the Lord. He was like the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the top of the line guy. If anyone was able to handle circumstances in his life, it's this guy. Like he should be able to handle it. But open Second Corinthians. Really interesting that we're here right now. But Second Corinthians chapter one, um, which we studied a while back when we started this book. It doesn't really sound like Paul is handling it, quote-unquote, because he says this in verses 8 through 10. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively, I want you to notice this, beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that, so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. And so Paul here, he's talking about um, some trouble that he had in Asia. We're not really sure exactly what the struggle was, but he, whatever it was, the struggle is real. <laughs> he's going through it. Um, and he says that they were burdened beyond their strength, him and his crew. Essentially, he's saying, we couldn't handle it. It was too much. It was so bad, they despaired of life. They hated their circumstances. They're like, this sucks. We're in a really hard spot, and they felt like they received a death sentence. Like, whoa, that doesn't exactly sound like God giving me what I can handle. But what I want you guys to notice, this is not punishment for Paul's sin. This is not because he did something wrong. God willed this suffering into his life. He willfully brought him to this place. And the question is, why? Why in the world would he do that? Why would a loving father, sovereignly in control of all things, do this to him? And the reason, Paul actually tells you. He says it's so that God could strip them of their self-reliance. He says it right there. He says, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And so God is essentially, he's bringing Paul to the end of himself. 
That's what God does. And so for the Lord, Holy Spirit-reliant Paul was a much better man and a much better tool than self-reliant Paul. Even Paul, like the best of the best, was better as brought to the end of himself. And guys, it's the same way with us. It's the same way in our lives because God, he makes our circumstances more than we can handle. Why? So that he can empty us of ourselves. Because apart from the Lord working in me, we were just at a pastor's conference and this was like the core takeaway for me is that if anything good is to come from my life, it is only because the Holy Spirit is using me as a conduit. I cannot produce a single good ounce of anything in my life. It's only because of the Lord. And so... What the Lord does then is he brings hard things into our lives to strip ourselves of any idea or notion that we could even handle it a little bit. And then we say, okay, God, I need you so badly, I cannot even get out of bed in the morning without you because I'm desperate for you. Like the circumstances are too much. Like empower me to get out of bed and to serve you and to love you. And it's that was when true ministry starts. That's when the Lord's really able to use you is when we're emptied of ourselves. But he doesn't just do it just to empty of yourself but it's also so that he secures the glory for himself in your life. And to demonstrate that, I want to take you to an Old Testament example of a guy named Gideon. So in Judges chapter 6, we read Israel had sinned, and so God, he hands the Israelites over to the Midianites for seven years as punishment for their sin, which, by the way, is giving them more than they can handle. But God eventually calls a man by the name of Gideon to deliver Israel. That's hard enough. That's really rough, but then God takes it a step further. So you open chapter 7. Gideon has an army of 32,000 guys. It's like, wow, that's a lot of guys. But he's going up against an army of 135,000. Not great odds. And then God's like, you know what, Gideon? Like, I'm looking at your army, and I've noticed there's a problem. There's way too many of them. <laughs> we need to remove some. And so through a series of tests, he whittles it down from 32,000 to 300 guys. That is not just small, that is absolutely ridiculous. Quite frankly, in the world's eyes, that's stupid. You would not do that. Like, why in the world would you go into an army or a battle with that? But the Lord tells us. He says this in Judges 7-2. This is in the New Living. He says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Sure enough, God uses this tiny, like, fraction of an army to attack the Midianites, and God secures the victory for them. But because God had literally given Gideon and his army way more than they could handle, the Lord secured the victory for himself. I guarantee no one left the battle that day and was like, man, I'm sure glad we had that great battle strategy. Am I right? I'm sure glad that like we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps and we fought hard and we did it and we conquered. It's like, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you that we didn't die, basically. Thank you that we're here at all because you were the one who came through. And guys, it's the same with us because God, what he likes to do is he brings us to the end of ourselves. He strips us of all of our self-reliance, but then he gives us the strength to overcome and who is glorified? Not us, not me. It's the Lord. He's glorified. There's literally no more room to boast because you know full well that you had nothing to give and that you had no way of overcoming. So guys, with this truth in mind, I want us each to like look at our own lives. So as we're sitting here, I want you guys to think about the responsibilities you have, the circumstances and the challenges in your life that you've been given by the Lord. Because here's the deal. Whatever your circumstances are, 
whatever you're going through in life. I think what the Lord, I read this, there's a quote from a guy named F.B. Meyer. Um, I've read a couple of his books, but in it, he was saying in this book that I was reading that the things that the Lord wills into our life and the things that the Lord allows into our life, we're like, oh, God has willed me to have a beautiful family, but God has allowed me to go through a hard season. Those are actually one and the same thing. God doesn't allow things to happen to you that are not for your good, not if you're a believer. And so the circumstances of your life, they've been allowed by the Lord, by God. And the question is why? It's to strip you of yourself, of all your self-reliance, and to allow the Lord to be glorified in your life. But maybe you're here right now, and you're like really feeling crushed by the weight of your responsibilities. You're like, I'm looking at all the things going on in my life, and like, oh my gosh, I have no idea how I'm supposed to do this. But what I would say to you is that I would encourage you that you're not alone, that many of us are there. But I also don't want any of us here who are like, I'm doing pretty good, and I don't really have a lot going on in my life. I would actually like to just think, this message is not for me. I'll come back next week. Because what I would encourage you is that every single one of us, all of us, as human beings, have been given more than we can handle. Like, if you're just chilling here tonight, and you're like, I'm coasting, everything's great, um, I would argue that you've still been given more than you can handle. And maybe, actually, you should recognize that. Um, because a life dedicated to Christ, which is what all of us are, if we're believers here, a life dedicated to Christ is more than you can handle. It just is. Like, I would ask you this, are you married? Because if you're married, then what God has called you to do is to love your spouse sacrificially, to give them all of yourself, to love them, if you're a husband, as Christ loved the church, if you're a wife, to submit to your husband. Like, that's more than you can do. That's more than you can do in your strength. You cannot keep your wedding vows on your own. That's why you do it before God, because he's the third person in the equation, right? Do you have kids? Like, are you raising children? If so, you cannot raise them on the way they should go on your own. Like, you guys are probably like, I don't even know what to do with my kid. He's watching YouTube and saying crazy stuff that I don't understand, and I don't even know what to do with him, right? Like, I can't handle this. But like, man, you need the wisdom of the Lord <laughs> to navigate that. My kid watches Minecraft videos. I don't know what to do with that. But like, like, man, you need the wisdom of the Lord to like guide you and lead you. Do you have a job? Are you working somewhere? Like, Christ has called you to work heartily as unto the Lord, not as unto men. And so what that means is that you're to work as if Jesus was your boss because he is your boss. And you cannot do that on your own strength. Even if you're the best employee of the month 20 years in a row, like you can't do that. Uh, and no matter where you are, even if you're like, none of those things are true in my life right now. That's not what I'm going through right now. Even if that were the case, every single one of us as a Christian by default is in ministry. That's what we are. Right? We've talked about this through 2 Corinthians, that if, we're to, if we have accepted Jesus, we are ministers of God's word. We've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. And that is too high of a calling for you on your own. You cannot do that. We're called to represent Jesus everywhere we go and to represent Jesus' love to the world and to share the gospel with those that we meet. And the Bible is very clear that we're not sufficient for that task. But I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Here's the point I want to make. The Lord is sufficient. He is sufficient. Amen? Amen? Amen. The Lord is sufficient. Yes, it's true. God gives us more than we can handle. But here's the key. He does not give more than he can handle. He can handle more through you. The Lord and his strength and the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit, that's your hope. That's how we make it through life. And guys, I think this is really timely for me because 
I have a lot going on in my life as of right now. Um, I've gained a lot of new responsibilities over the past year. Um, last October, I became full-time youth director here at the church, um, which has been great but challenging. It's been hard for me. And those who know me best, like my fiance and my friends, like I'm being stretched by it, and it's hard. Like even, um, Kevin's going to laugh at me, but like managing my Google calendar and like making sure I don't lose responsibilities and not overbooking myself sounds silly, but legit. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And I'm learning them for the first time. And I'm learning how to steward my time well and how to minister to kids well. The Lord has called me to lead the kids of this church and to steward them. Um, and that's scary and it's intimidating and I'm not sufficient for that task. And then on top of that, I'm also preparing to get married to my beautiful fiance, Hannah, who's here. Um, guys, I love Hannah dearly. I'm so glad that I get to marry her. She is such a blessing to me. And I do talk about, you know, beyond what you deserve even. Like, I don't deserve a woman like her who loves me and stands with me faithfully. Um, but on top of the joy of that, there's also a lot of logistics involved in getting married. Um, and there's also, like, you know, Jesus has called me to love her like Christ loves the church. And this is my full declaration before all of you that I cannot do that. I can't do that on my own, but I want to. And it's with the promise that I've made her. And so what I will do is I will admit before God, and I guess even you now that I can't. And I'll say, God, give me the strength to love her well. God, give me the strength to love the kids in this ministry well, to steward them. Because the reality is just this. It's like God has given me more than I can handle in life. And I can have two options, right? I could be like, forget this man, I'm out of here, and be bitter at God and mad that he's given me such a thing. Or I could say, you know what, Lord, you are sovereign over my life. You are the God of my life, and you've willed this to be for a reason. And you've given me good gifts, and far be it from me to turn them down because I'm scared. And so, terrified as I am, I'm up here saying that I love God, and I want to serve him, and I want to do what he's called me to do. And so, all I can do is just be like, God, humble me. Make me realize my need for you every day. But the beautiful thing, God, guys, is that God has actually promised to meet me. It's not like I'm hoping that maybe he'll come through and I get to be a good husband, or maybe he'll come through and hopefully a couple kids like, get saved or at least learn a couple facts about the Bible. It's like, no, the Bible has promised me that God will come through on my behalf. It says this, 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us all things, that's not some things, that's all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And guys, that's us. We've been called to his own glory and excellence. And guys, God has given us every heavenly resource we need, not only to survive, but to flourish in the places he's put us. To flourish for Christ in our circumstances. The Holy Spirit will empower us to live out what he's given us. And so, guys, here's the question I want to ask you guys as we close tonight. It's like, are we, are we handling our lives in our own strength? Like, are we looking at our lives and we're like, you know what? Like, I got this. I'm doing just fine. Um, I've done this before. I'm 20 years into marriage. Or, like, I've had kids for a little while. I know what to do, and I'll just coast. Or even if it's hard, I'm just going to grit my teeth and make it through. Or... Are we humbled before the Lord properly? Because that's what hard things are designed to do. They're literally designed by God to bring you to your knees, to where you say, I cannot do this anymore. I am a desperate man. I'm a desperate woman. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. If you do not come through, I'm going to lose it. 
Guys, that is a beautiful prayer. The Lord would have nothing more for you than that. It's the part of you that says, oh man, I got this. Oh man, I'm all good to go. Oh man, I'm just chilling. I'm be, I'll be fine. That's the part of you, quite frankly, that's not of God. Because what is, who is the main character of our lives? It's not me. It's the Lord. God, he's the center of my life. And so this is me as one humble man who sometimes gets full of himself and thinks he's got it, saying to another group of people who sometimes think they got it, like, I'm begging you to please humble yourself before God. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will exalt you. Guys, that's what I want for our church and for our lives. So whatever it is, um, the worship team can come forward as we're closing, but whatever it is, I just pray that you're thinking of whatever situation's going on in your life that you're like, I can't do this. Like, it's too much. I pray that right now you would come before the Lord and say, God, I have nothing to give you except myself. That's all he ever wanted anyway. He died for that. That's what he wants. 